Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, Derek here for Gamer Heroes. Just to let you know, we had a little bit of audio trouble with this particular episode, so we had to use our backup recording, which the quality is not quite as good as what we would normally do. So, just wanted to point that out. When you listen to this episode, it's not going to sound up to snuff with our normal quality. I apologize for that, but I hope you still enjoy our content. It was a fun episode, and it was a good time, and we will be back. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gamer Heroes. I am Derek. I have my co-host John with me. How's it going, buddy? Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. We have so much to talk about. We are going to be talking about tons of gaming news today, including Best Buy's Gamer Club being no more, Jurassic World Evolution in its new sandbox mode, a Monster Hunter movie, which is weird. Um, some yeah. information. <laughs> That's the least you can say about it. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to that. Uh, some information about Nintendo, including Resident Evil 7 and the NES Classic. And there may be a couple other things we'll talk about as well, including the new Xbox controller for the Xbox One that focuses on people with disabilities, which is really freaking cool. Quite so genius. Yeah, it's, it's about time, honestly. It's kind of weird that it took so long to get one. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, so we're going to just get right to it. Uh, John, why don't you start us off with the Monster Hunter news? Yeah, let's talk about Monster Hunter World. Uh, well, not World, but as you guys know, if you've played any plenty, played any of the Monster Hunter games, there's a lot of them out there. Uh, most recent one was Monster Hunter World. Huge success. A lot of, lot of fun for people who uh, are into that open world hunting experience. Um, they've decided to make a movie on it. Starring uh, Mila Djokovic, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, <laughs> uh, the creators of uh, the best gaming movie adaption ever created, Resident Evil. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Terrible adaption. Um, so, I, as you can tell, I don't really have high hopes for this movie. They've also been limited to uh, about $60 million, which I know is a lot of money to normal peons like us. But in a movie term, $60 million is pretty low. Yeah, so. man, that, that is next to nothing for a budget. I mean, the first Deadpool got more money than that. Uh, Bright, the Netflix movie starring Will Smith, got more money than that. Yeah. Um, $60 million is usually kept for more of uh, character films that take place in reality where you know the sets exist and there's no special effects. Exactly. This whole movie has to be CGI, and it's I don't understand how they're going to do that good do you get what i'm saying like there's no way you can make uh a movie that is about the world and about the experience of hunting a monster with that kind of budget i I just don't see it and i'm not gonna lie 
he puts her in every movie he's in because or that he directs or writes or whatever because that's his wife i get it you love your wife but she's just not a great actress and i'm not saying this movie requires a great actor or actress um, because I'm going to be honest with you, the, the stories are pretty thin. <laughs> so it's kind of weird that they've got $60 million to do a whole movie that's CG for the most part, I would say. Um, they, are, they have confirmed that they will be shooting mostly in uh, South Africa, which is fine. But again, what are you going to do? You're, you have to CGI the creatures in there. So, I mean, that costs money to shoot in South Africa too. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you've got to have all the actors out there. You've got to pay for their lodging. You know, it's it's. Uh, I I just don't understand how this can be successful. I think you're a little bit harder on Mila Jovovich than most people. Um, I I have never had any issues with her. I always thought she was good. I you know I like her in Fifth Element. I liked her in the first two Resident. Yeah, Evil she was movie. great in the Fifth Element when her only lines were beep boop and. Oh, like when she only said uh, syllables that made no sense. Yeah, that was her best acting role right there. Well, my point was going to be that uh, <laughs> I don't think like she's any of the problems that the Resident Evil movies have had. You know, um, it's Paul. Yeah, it's it's totally Paul. So you know, for those for those listening to this, is just kind of a funny story. Uh, when John first talking about the movie, he uh, mistyped and just said Wes Anderson was directing the movie instead of Paul Wes Anderson. And uh, Wes Anderson makes a very different type of film. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, it's going to be the Royal Tenenbaums with right. monsters. <laughs> <laughs> And the whole time I've been thinking, I was thinking Wes, but I, or Paul, see, I'm getting all confused again. I was thinking Paul, but I kept saying Wes. And then I went and looked, and I, <laughs> I looked, this is the funniest part. I looked at a movie and <laughs> read that it, he goes by Wes, but I'm like, that's not, and, and, and totally believed it was him. Um, but it's not. So, I mean, Paul has, has done, Paul W.S. Paul Anderson has done, two of one of one of my you know top 50 movies and that would be um i like pandorum a lot and i really really liked event horizon mm -hmm. so when it comes to like sci-fi i know he does a good job but he's just kind of been he's kind of become that big name for b movies guy you get what i'm saying like when you think of a b movie you think of him now and so I feel like this is going to be a B movie regardless, but the question is, you know, how are you going to make a story about this? The, the only thing, the only way I see this happening and making it what I think they're going to do is they're going to make some weird backstory where someone's family gets killed by a creature. Maybe, maybe uh, Mila's family is murdered by a creature when she's young and she witnesses it and she grows up and, wanting to kill hunt creatures and she's this badass because she always plays a badass and uh she finally gets to the creature that murdered her family i don't know i feel like that's the only way they're gonna go that's an interesting way to look at it i suppose um i mean i'm not really worried about the story because you know that's what writers are for they'll, they'll come up with a story my concern is more of how is this movie going to look because 
I'm, I'm looking up some numbers here real quick. So I just wanted to talk comparisons for a minute about other films that got the same amount of money for a budget. Oh, that's a good, that's a good idea. Okay. Um, and it's, it's tough because you have to, you have to go pretty low in the list because I'm already in the top, I'm past the top 600 movies as far as budget is concerned. And you're still 10 million above what this movie got. So I'm, I'm almost there. So I might wow. tr- trim this down a little bit. Here we go. All right. So, all right, here's, here's some good examples. Um, Meet the Fockers from 2004. <laughs> Terrible movie, too. Um, now, this one's a little surprising, but the Lego movie, which has a good cast, but it's voice acting, and stop-motion animation, which I guess maybe is cheaper but more time-consuming right? than digital animation. Um, now, this one's impressive. 300. And that whole movie was CG, and... Um... You know, that was a stylistic choice for Snyder, and that's – I was not aware that the budget was that low. Um, but you look so. at a lot of the stuff in this realm, in, in the $60 million range, and you get things like The Truman Show or Sully, um, you know, Daddy Daycare, Collateral. Um, the Scorpion King is actually in here. That does not surprise me because the CGI was terrible in that film. So, I mean, there's some good stuff in there. The original Hellboy cost $60 million as well. But these are older films. It's now it's 2018, and movies like, you know, Suicide Squad cost $160 million. I'm just curious. What did uh, his last Resident Evil film get? Uh, that would take me a minute to probably look up. Give me a moment here. Because I feel like that was his weakest one. So I'm just curious to know what his, what, what's the kind of budget he usually works with on those movies. Well, I'm sure it it varies quite a bit. I mean, in, aside from Resident Evil, this is another Capcom title that Wes... 40. He only got 40 million for that one. See, that's what I was thinking. So. I thought it was lower. Um, and that was an atrocious movie. Um, he, it seems... I'm not saying... Maybe there's a pattern here, but Capcom seems to like him and her together for their for their video game adaptions, which is very surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um, and maybe he's just good working on a tight budget. Uh, maybe he gets, you know, maybe he and Mila get like a back-end deal or something like that instead of big, um, you know, big paychecks. Because, you know, you compare it to some of the big-name actors like Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson in the Marvel movies or Will Smith or something they like that. They're ma- entire budget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. makes $50 million in, in a full Marvel movie now. So uh, there's, you know, the entire budget right there. But, you know, I guess we'll wait and see. We'll have to know a lot more about it before we'll have any idea if it's any good. Of course, the track record for video game movies is pretty hit or miss at this point. Well, no, I I would have to say lately video game adaption movies have done pretty well. Uh, what, like what? What's done well? Well, Rampage, for, has, for instance. Has not done well. I'm talking critically, I guess. Oh, critically? I mean, that that's fine. Yeah, it's it, it, it because rope and it's not. It's no longer that. It's like the curse is lifted. Is kind of how I feel. Well, I don't know how well Rampage was received critically, but I can tell you that in the United States, it has yet to break a hundred million. Better than no, it, it did critically better than I thought it would. Um, honestly, but that that doesn't surprise me that. It, <laughs> that it didn't break a hundred million because it's 
listen, it's third week out. It had to go up against Infinity War, and now this second week, you know what I mean? It's got to go up against Deadpool, and it, I mean, there's no way. And then it's uh, going to have to go up against Star Wars, and then like there's just no way. That's but that's every year now, and The Rock's other movies are able to be successful, even with you know. Uh, well, Jumanji came out earlier in the year. Well, Jumanji was competition. December it was December. Right. Yeah, but and I'm not sure it's fair to compare a Christmas movie to to an April movie. But uh, I don't. This movie though, it hasn't even made its budget back domestically. Now internationally, it's done very well. It's made almost 300 million internationally. But that's not how we really judge movies in the United States, unfortunately. Because if we did judge them th- that way, then we'd be getting a Warcraft sequel. But uh, you know, yeah. that's just how that is, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on from Secondary. Monster Hunter. Yeah. To now we've been talking Resident Evil, so we might as well continue that trend a little bit here. Um, so let's talk a bit about Resident Evil on Nintendo Switch. So I don't know if you guys have read the news yet, but Capcom wants to do a cloud version of Resident Evil Seven for Switch. Which initially, when you think about it, it sounds okay. You're like, oh, this game is graphically intense. This game um, is very large. This game, you know, could probably play pretty good on a cloud. But then you really start digging into it, and you start looking at the physical numbers and what they're trying to do. It's really weird. It's really weird. So it's basically going to cost you $18. To, it's like a pass is what they're, they're selling you, essentially. Mm-hmm. It does come with all the DLC. But... <laughs> you only have it for 180 days. What is up with that? Well, so there's there's a lot of issues here, I think. Um, the idea of a cloud game is still very risky because now, okay, so let's, let's preface something here. This is only being released in Japan. For now, for now. Well, here's why I want to stress that because I don't know if cloud gaming is really good in, in, in other countries yet because of internet. Like Japan, Japan's internet is better than our internet. Korea, South Korea's internet is better than our internet. Um, but our internet in the United States is pretty terrible compared to other um, other developed nations, other tech, technology-driven nations. And so a cloud game, I mean, that means it's streaming the entire time. This isn't something where you bought it right. digitally, downloaded it, and then played it. This is This is actually streaming, like when you're watching Netflix or something like that. And so... What's the buffering going to be like? Well, sorry, I don't mean to interject, but the reason I said in the beginning, when you think of it at first, you're like, that sounds good. Because this game is, in the end of the day, it is very graphically intense. It is definitely not going to be rendered down for the Switch. Um, And second of all, graphically intense games like that require a lot of space. So to download that game would wipe out your internal memory probably. So that's what I was saying. When you first think about it, you're like, oh, that game on the Switch could not work um, unless they dialed it down dramatically like they did for Doom, like they did for um, – oh, what was the other big one? Well, so, so, so here's, here's the issue, though. If you want to balance the, the hard drive space on the Switch, I mean, I guess that's your decision as a developer or a publisher. But at the end of the day, if people can't stream your game – then they can't play your game at all. Whereas with the Switch, I can choose as a consumer to buy an SD card or not. I can buy the 
physical version of a game or not. And I've chosen to buy the physical versions of the games most of the time to avoid having space issues on Same my Switch. For right? that reason, yeah. Right. So I don't think that it's a fair thing to say that it's because of how how large the game would be because the bigger issue here is if your internet is not good enough then you cannot play the game because it won't be able to buffer and stream well number one number two the switch is supposed to be a hybrid mobile console take it with you on a plane take it with you you know on your commute play uh in bed all that type of stuff but if you're not home because you're playing it on the subway ride to work or on the bus or something like that uh, you know, to your daily commute, you cannot play it. Exactly. That's, that's what I was talking about. When you drill down and you go, really, does this make sense? Because like you said, you know, the, the airport, a lot of times, this is when I use the switch the most, the airport, road trips. Um, when I'm going, you know, out on a trip or, you know, and I want something to do while I'm in the hotel room. All these places either don't have internet or they have shitty Wi-Fi internet. Right. And this game, so you're telling me I can't play this game unless I'm at home for the most part. And that's my big issue with it. I, I appreciate that they're trying to bring more intense adult games to the Switch. I definitely do this appreciate that. This is not the way that. to do it. But right, it's not. Now, maybe this will be fine in Japan. Maybe Japan's infrastructure is set up in such a way where this is basically a non-issue. And that's great if that's the case for them. I just don't think it would work here. In in uh, what's this pass? Why is it limited to 180 days? That kind well, of bugs me. So if I give you $18, which is what the game actually retails at now, um, you know, on the PS4, if I want to go buy it right now, I can get it for under $20. Why would I give you $18 for a game I can only play at home for 180 days? Well, okay, so the, the couple of things we need to remember there that the the yen. Uh, translation the conversion is not exact so game prices are not exactly the same in japan versus here versus the versus europe or south america or anything like that i mean hell in australia all the video game stuff is crazy expensive compared to here um so maybe the game is just more money in japan than it is here when you do the conversion i'm not sure um the 180 days thing i guess has to do with the fact that it's a streaming service right so you think about what you pay for Netflix or Hulu to stream those things, and then you have to keep paying. So That's this is basically one game, though. He's saying that well, no, it's it's not one game. It's but if you were, but if you were to rent a movie, you know, because you're not buying it, you're renting it is really what this is. Essentially, yes. I so think that's... though a rental is a little more justifiable when it's a few dollars. Well, right, but when you get a rental, you only get it for 48 hours. Yeah. Or you know, if it's a red box, it's a buck a day, right? So this is a totally different ball game. I, there's, I, don't, I can't even think of anything else that's similar to this. Yeah, it's a different, it's a different idea. I was just about to ask, do, are there any other streaming games as we speak right now? You know, it's not something I've looked into. I'm sure there are. Um, but it's not something I've ever really looked into doing because, I mean, my, my home internet is not amazing. I do not have uh, fiber here, um, and uh, my desktop is on Wi-Fi because of where it is in the house compared to the router. So I try and play, you know, normal downloaded stuff as much as I can. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, 
it's unique idea it's different but like you said it doesn't make sense here in the u.s and i think they're going to have to rework their their idea before they bring it here which is why they're testing in the japanese market most likely yeah yeah we'll just have to kind of see how it goes so i mean i want to play that game and i would love to play it on the switch i really would i just like I said, I, I would not pay. I'm going to tell you up front, I will not pay $18 to play this for 180 days. You know, if I'm going to go play, if I'm going to pay $18, and that's just the, the conversion rate that we did on a Google calculator. Um, if I'm going to pay that, I'm just going to go buy it for PS4 and have it. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand, yeah. This is definitely a niche situation, I think. It's weird. It's weird. It's just it's just weird. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't just bring it, bring the whole game over. You know, as a digital, you don't have to create. If you don't want to do disc, don't or you know, create physical copies. Don't do that. But bring it over as a digital. Yeah, I agree with you absolutely. Um, so the last piece of Nintendo news, Nintendo specific news that we have is just a little something I wanted to throw out so people were aware. The NES Classic. The, the actual NES Classic, not the SNES Classic that's currently on the shelves, but the one that was only $60 that sold out instantly that people have been trying to scalp for minutes. hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And if you're one of those people, well, just stop. Um, anyway, it's coming back. On June 29th, Nintendo will be re-releasing the NES Classic, and they are expecting it to be sold through the end of 2018. So that should give you six months to go out and try and find one if you're interested. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably try and snag one myself. Um, And for any of you scalpers out there that have had trouble offloading yours at some unreasonable price, um, ha, 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 ha. That was much nicer than I thought what you were going to say. Well, it makes it makes me mad. Mm -hmm. I hate that concept, and um, yeah, you know, all you're doing is ruining somebody's day. That's all you're doing. So, all right. Um, but that's a small thing. So one thing that I would like to talk about is Best Buy. Let's talk about Best Buy. You buy a lot of games at Best Buy using uh, this Buyers Gamers Club. <laughs> it's, just, it's just Gamers Club. Gamers <laughs> no, Club. it's Gamers. <laughs> gamers. Gamers Club Unlocked. Um, so, all right. So those of you who are not really into pre-ordering games, if you pre-order games, uh, through Amazon Prime or as a Best Buy Gamers Club Unlocked member, you get 20% off. So if you know, yeah, I'm absolutely getting, uh, you know, Wolfenstein 2 on Switch when it comes out. Well, then, you know, um, you might as well pre-order it and save yourself the, the 12 yeah. bucks or whatever, right? Um, so I've been a member of the Best Buy version for many years now since it came out. And you do have to pay for it. It's like 15 bucks a year and you get the 20% off and you get a couple other perks uh, once in a while be, you know, a $10 Best Buy gift card if you pre-order one of these titles. And it's usually games I'm interested in anyway. So it's been a big perk for me. Um, and I like getting my games at Best Buy for, for two reasons. One, um, I'm supporting a brick and mortar store, which uh, no offense to Amazon or anything like that, but I like being able to physically go into a store and check out the inventory, see what they have see what things look like, maybe compare, um, and then make my decision. You know, I don't always want to do it online. It depends what it is, of course. Um, you know, when it comes to video games, it's usually pretty clear what you're going to get. 
I also like though that I can physically go and pick it up at the store, do use in-store pickup instead of having it shipped, um, mainly because I don't necessarily want expensive video games sitting on my porch. I don't uh, necessarily want uh, them to get damaged in shipping or rained on or anything like that, and this avoids that problem. So they are discontinuing that service. The Best Buy Gamers Club will be done basically when everybody who currently has a membership, a subscription, theirs runs out. So no one will be able to renew. No one will be able to sign up after, uh, well, we're recording today's May 21st, and uh, this would have been the cutoff. You would have had to have signed up yesterday, I believe. Um, And at that point, if you have a membership, once it runs out, you're done. If you don't have one, I'm sorry, it's too late for you. Um, And that's, that's it. They are getting rid of it. There's some, probably some obvious reasons like the cost, you know, getting 20, 20% off of a game uh, may not sound like a lot, but it basically means every five games I buy that, that next one's free. Um, you know, it's 12 bucks off of a normal title, um, 10 bucks off of some of the more discounted ones. I mean, it, it adds up pretty quickly and you know, that's expensive for Best Buy. Amazon has it as well. If you're a Prime member, you get 20% off for, for pre-orders. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not, right? Like, if you know you're getting the game, well, why it, wait? It's just I use Amazon for everything, and uh, it's just another perk, you know, for me. It's just like I already, just in shipping alone, I make that $100 back in, in three months. Well, sure, sure. But, yeah. So let me ask you this. How many games would you say you have gotten for free since you've been a member? I mean, that's tough to say because I also buy a lot of games on Amazon too. It kind of just depends on what the game is and when it goes on pre-order. I can recall three from from the time that I've – maybe well, just from the time that we've had the Switch, you've probably gotten about three free games. <laughs> I mean, I so it's a little skewed because I have a Best Buy credit card, so I get pulled points on that as well um i I usually use my points for video game purchases you know so but uh this was a good service i thought it was cool if it didn't work then it didn't work but you know that is that it's a lot of money well i mean for them for them because they i imagine they're paying you know just cost is probably like 54 dollars so we're getting under cost or or maybe cost is exactly what the discount is so they're not making any profit on those. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure part of the idea was to get people in the store, get people on the website to buy other things. And I'm sure that that happens sometimes for people, including myself. But, you know, when you're pre-ordering a game six, six months out or something like that, you know, you're probably not buying something else with it at the same time. It could also be their first uh, cutback because, you know, Best Buy is technically going under as we speak. Um, this might be one of in that phase. They're in probably that phase two of that process of where we're going to start cutting programs, rewards programs, loyalty programs, because um, they're already closing stores secretly. Well, not secretly. I mean, stores close. All Dude, all companies no. close stores. Dude, no, listen. Last like this was before. This was a couple months ago. The one week I went into Best Buy to look for an adapter because that's what you do. And the following week, I went to go back. This is the Olathe one. I tried to go back again. It was gone. Yeah, but I mean, just, just, gone. just because they didn't tell you doesn't mean they're doing it in secret. 
mean, usually those things take a while. Like Toys R Us has been going through this. Well, no, that's that's different though, though, because Toys R Us as a company is going out of business, so they have to liquidate inventory. I got gotcha. you. They, they just did it so quick. I well, mean, sure. it was like a week. You evacuated an entire store and moved employees. That's insane. Well, think about it. All they got to do is box stuff up on the trucks that they own and move them down the street to the other Best Buy. So we only have now we have one in Kansas City, and the next next closest one will be St. Louis. What are you talking about? There, there I just read, no, I just read an article. They're hoping to have only one location near Kansas City, which would probably be the mall one, the one by your ninety uh, fifth. That Metcalf one, I don't know what that does. How good that one does. Well, you're you're just telling people where we live now. Oh, everyone knows you live in Kansas City. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think you're being a little paranoid, but, um, you know. Paranoid? <laughs> There's still several Best Buys around here. They're making an initiative to cut back dramatically. And of they'll course probably, they are. They'll probably do what Circuit City did, which was uh, close all physical stores and go online. Well, I think that would be the end if they did yeah. that, because I don't think Best Buy is going to be able to compete with anybody. In that, in that space. I, I agree. I don't understand why they did that either. But they're still around. Circuit City still exists. Well, Circuit City came back with a new store structure. It just didn't go over very well. Well. They, tr- they tried to model it after the Apple Store. That just doesn't work. No. All right. So that's that. That's ending. So let's move on to other things. <laughs> when does your uh, membership expire? You know, I'm not sure. I have to look at the date. I think in the fall. On that day, we will we will get you something to cheer you up, some ice cream or something. Aw. <laughs> now, what's, what's, what's funny about this, so uh, one, I've, I've read a few articles about this, but the one of the ones I currently have up has ads, of course. Um, and uh, it's just, There's one for the Gamer Club, and I just think that's funny. Um, anyway. So, yeah, they're not going to stop... <laughs> telling you about it even though you can't sign up for it anymore right. so all right let's talk about something more positive something more positive so microsoft uh released an image of this crazy looking controller for the xbox one it basically looked like a white rectangle with with like touch pads on it these two circle pads and, and a joystick a couple basic ones. no no joystick just yeah a there was a um because of the D-pad. There's D-pad, no, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, there were all these rumors at first when the photo was leaked of like, oh, this is some, you know, radical redesign they're going to announce at E3 <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I actually thought, like, well, maybe it has something to do with AR because, you know, Microsoft hasn't really gone in on VR, so maybe it'll be AR. Well, it turns out this is actually a special new controller system for people with disabilities so they can play games more readily and easily and comfortably, uh, which is something that we've sorely been uh, missing here in the gaming community. They're calling it the Xbox Adaptive Controller, and it's got, uh, like I said, those two kind of touch areas, um, which are these circular touch pads. Um, It's got the D-pad, it's got a couple basic buttons, but what's most impressive about it is it has a ton of hookups along the back of this controller. And they all are for very specific things. It's basically an input for like every possible button you might want to hook up to this controller. 
Yeah, that's the part that's really cool about it. And um, something I thought that was interesting too is it is actually has a DC input. So it is plugged in. It never needs to be recharged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it has a space for a Bluetooth or excuse me, sorry, mini USB, a USB port. And um, it's probably USB-C, I believe. Right. The new stuff. It has got every, every button that is on the controller has an input yeah which is super cool so if you if you look at the back of this thing basically there's just like almost two dozen little jacks they look like headphone jacks but underneath each one is an image of a button and it's everything i mean you're talking like i'm just going to read through them all right so you've got y x B, A, you've got uh, your down press on your right joystick, your R, um, both of your R triggers, both of your left triggers, your you bumpers. know, yeah, right, exactly, you know, the actual Xbox button itself, your left joystick, uh, every uh, um, direction on the D-pad, all of these things can be plugged in individually into some other interface, which is so cool. Yeah, it's it's surprising that it's taken this long to get a um, more accessible controller like that. Um, and, you know, it's only coming at $100, which is $40 more than a normal controller. Well, about 50 bucks more, actually. But, you know, it's worth, I mean, it's worth it if you have a disability and it's hard to play games. Like, uh, maybe your motor, your motor functions aren't as good, but you really want to play games. Like, this is a really good option. Yeah, I think this is kind of the future of where controller technology can go at this point. Um, when the Switch first came out, there were some people coming up with really cool 3D printed components that you could slide the Joy-Con into so you could play with like, one hand, for example, um, which was able to help people who had physical limitations and things like that. And I think that is just, it's really neat that now, okay, some so some people figure out how to do it kind of unofficially for the Switch. Now Microsoft is going to basically do it for us um it's it's good stuff yeah i mean the controller is 100 i'm a little concerned about what all the hookups might cost because that, that's where i was yeah yeah that's a little like looking at it um they show kind of a brief um i don't know they lay out a couple of access like about seven or eight accessories that can plug into this and it's a lot a lot of accessories so it is, yeah. It's it's pretty amazing what it can do. I mean, they've got this, you know, unique joystick thing. They uh, they call it the quad stick, um, which uh, is is a mouth operated joystick for for people who are you know quadriplegics, for example. Um, that's theoretically something you could hook up into this new adaptive controller, and then you could play you know totally standard video games. Um, it's, it's exciting. I would like to know what some of the hookups are going to cost personally, um, you know, because I think that's, I, I think that's really going to be the complicated part of this. Yeah. And they're the first to do it. So um, I'm sure they'll capture that market. So and it's not, I'm not saying it's a, yeah, they're trying to make money, but, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, they're the first ones to appeal to that market, and this is, in theory, a, a good way to get people to play Xbox um, and capture some people that, you know, could not play systems. Here, they can play a system. You can play mm -hmm. ours. 
Yeah, and I think that's the key. Like, yeah, at, at the end of the day, this is good for people, but, you know, how could it be bad for them to open up a, a giant sure. demographic of new video game players, you know? Um, I think it's quite genius, actually. That yep. was a good move. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a good – it's an untapped market. It really is. So, you know, it's cool stuff. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm definitely going to look into it myself. I, think, I kind of want to well, play it, try it. Um, yeah. Because I'm wondering how those uh, mouse pads kind of work. So could you, like – you know what I mean? Could you just kind of, like, roll your your hands around them and it'll do things? Like, I don't know. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to check it out. I'm hoping that I'll be able to do that at some point. And it seems like you could come up with some unique ways to play. I mean, there are people online who have come up with crazy ways to play video games, like using the uh, Diddy Kong bongos to beat, like, really complex video <laughs> games. Um, <laughs> I know, know. So this, crazy. this just gives you more of a, of a legit way to do that, and I'm excited to see what people come up with. Is it bad that we want to play this controller? Play with this no, controller? <laughs> of course not. It's it's something new and different that's had a lot of thought put into it. And for all we know, it's the better way to play. Yeah. Yeah. So, there you I go. can definitely see that having some advantage in any fighting game. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. Could be interesting. All right. Well, that's probably enough of that. All right, so I do have something really fun that I want to talk about, and that is a new Jurassic Park game that is coming out. Um, It's called Jurassic World Evolution, and it is not the mobile, free-to-play, pay-to-win kind of game. This is a brand-new game that comes out in June um, of this year. It is a park builder, so kind of in the vein of, you know, the SimCity game and things like that, but you're building dinosaur parks, and um, they announced this week, uh, today even, that they are adding in a sandbox mode that lets you play on the original island, Isla um, Isla Nublar, uh, from the original Jurassic Park game, and it's going to be freaking sweet. So, all right. So, if you get uh, a certain score on the very first island that you play in the game, it unlocks this mode. And this mode, the sandbox mode, gives you unlimited resources. So, you can build the original park, all right, with complete control. You can control the time of day. You can control the weather. You can shut the power off. So, this is essentially um, Roller Coaster Tycoon, except... um, you know, it, with dinosaurs. With dinosaurs. You get to run a theme park. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm assuming that if you wanted to break hell loose on these poor people that come to your park, you can do that. I mean, basically, yeah. You get to control it all. You get to spare no expense and build the park of your dreams or nightmares and wreak havoc if you want to. Um I'm pretty excited about it, man. This just sounds like so much fun. It's a full-fledged park builder with dinosaurs. I think it's about time because they had a game for mobile that they did that just didn't really take off. Um, I think it was called Dinosaur Park or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, um, but it was one of those free-to-play games, right? So you start playing, you have to either pay money or wait forever, and... You know, I, I don't want to play that. I don't. I'll pay 60 bucks for a legit game 
you know, I'll pay 60 bucks for Roller Coaster Tycoon with dinosaurs, but that's it. I don't want to have to pay $2 here and $3 there and a buck 99 there. Like, I don't want to do that. Um, so this, this is totally different. This is legit full fledged game. And it just sounds like, dude, it just sounds like so much fun. The graphics look pretty darn good too, which I was pretty Yeah, I mean, it looks video here. It looks fine for what it's supposed to be. Like, these these builder games. I've I've been playing SimCity and Roller Coaster Tycoon for as long as I've been playing video games, and you know they've gotten better over time. You know the original SimCity, SimCity two thousand up through yep. through what we get today is very different. Um, but it doesn't have to be like these super hyper realistic graphics either. Oh no no no! But um, the the stuff's looking clean is what I'm saying though. It's like oh your attractions look nice. Your, uh, you know, the the part that everyone gets excited about is the entrance with the Jurassic World sign <laughs> at the top there before you go in. Um, that's pretty cool. So I'm I'm wondering if they're gonna kind of follow that model where um, there are disasters, which will be probably dinosaurs escaping that you didn't plan. Um, I wonder if they'll do that to you. Well, I'm sure that's what the regular game mode is, right? So if you play through, like, the the actual challenges, you're going to have different islands with different resources and weather conditions and things like that. Um, and, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business simulator game like Roller Coaster Tycoon. Right. And just like Roller Coaster Tycoon, I'm sure they'll have mechanics like if your park guests get eaten by a dinosaur, then attendance goes down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> then you get sued. <laughs> I'm sure that kind of stuff happens. I mean, for those who, who are not familiar with those games, in Roller Coaster Tycoon, if someone dies on a ride, then that's it. Nobody no ever goes it. on that ride. Yeah, no one rides it ever again. You have to tear it down and build something new. Which um, costs which, you millions. You know, which I'll tell you this. Uh, for those who are familiar with Schlitterbahn, the water park, uh, you know, uh, somebody died on their water slide, a, uh, and uh, there's lawsuits going on with that now and everything. But, uh, I mean, I... That scares the hell out of me. I'm not going to go on that thing. <laughs> Dude, I wrote it. It is, uh, before all that happened, it is very, it is actually a very terrifying ride. And it's not because of the height, because I like roller coasters. It's the safety it is scary. Well. And it was a matter of time that somebody got hurt before someone got hurt, I mean. Well, in Sad this case. happened, but. In this case, your rides are dinosaurs. And if dinosaurs hurt your park guests, I assume they will not be coming back. So you'll have to balance all that. And I'm sure they'll have other things like kiosks with food and, you know, um, you know normal, like, gift shops and, and those types of things, just like a normal simulator. I have to say this. How awesome would it be if there was a DLC or a mod where you could get Jeff Goldblum in there? <laughs> <laughs> you just roam – and Sam Neill, they just roam your park. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, you might even be able to get Chris Pratt to get in there, McCready or whatever his name is. That would be interesting. I would be curious to see what, what level of uh, connection they have to that, to be honest. How funny would that be? I imagine at the minimum they should be able to get Chris Pratt because this is called Jurassic World. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they'll handle that since most of these simulators don't really have, like, a, an instructional narrative, you know, tied around them. No, but just how fun would it be that they just are in your park and they just walk around your park? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would definitely be that would be interesting. That'd be a lot of fun. But that is definitely an interesting game. Um, I've always played the uh, Sid Meier's 
civilization games. I like those. These are it's kind of similar, except it's not as um, confined, you know, because obviously the the idea is to expand in those games. But sure, this game um, it, it's just along those lines of like uh, really thinking out, really thinking through every action and making the best decision for your park or your city or your home or whatever the hell you're doing in the game. Absolutely. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. When's this supposed to be released? Uh, June comes out in June. You think it'll be 60 bucks? I would imagine. I mean, I guess those Sid Meier games are too. Sid Meier's man. Sid Meier's. 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 It's all the same. <laughs> I don't Sid think he Meier's. thinks but oh man all right well what else we got i guess we got the vita news yeah let's talk about the vita going bye-bye <laughs> uh so I mean, sony announced like we didn't know that was gonna happen soon <laughs> poor poor console sony announced that at the end of their fiscal year which ends in february of of 2019 the physical game production for the Vita will officially end. They will still support uh, digital games, and uh, apparently they will still support, uh, still produce physical games in Japan only. So I imagine there'll be limited titles. Uh, but this is definitely kind of marking the last lap of the Vita, the Sony handheld that has been kind of hit or miss over the years. It's got a definitely a, a large library of unique games, especially JRPGs, but, you know, plagued by a proprietary memory card that was very expensive in a market that has basically been cornered by Nintendo with the DS line. Uh, the Vita just never really got any traction. You know, cause I, I, when I think back, like I've picked up a Vita a few times. I, I never owned one, but it's very comparable to the switch and you can actually hook it up to your PS4 and play your Vita through the PS4. So I wonder if they would have remarketed it and came back. They could have – would they have had a better chance? I don't know. I, it's, it's tough to say, but – Because the hardware is actually really good in it, and um, I remember the graphics being pretty stellar. It, it had a lot to do with the marketing campaign around it and those proprietary uh, memory cards. Um, to date, the Vita has sold less than the Wii U. Yeah. You know, less than the Switch then as well. And the Switch has only been on the market for a little over a year. Um, the DS line has sold somewhere in the realm of 10 times the number see, of Vitas. With the DS, though, it's a combination of they have a lot of titles, the good ones, but the cost is lower and they just, I feel like Nintendo just nailed that because up until recently, I always thought that DS was for kids. I, I seriously was like, that's a kid's thing, but you know I mean, what? Is the, is the Vita that much more expensive than a DS? I was pretty sure they were sitting around 200 bucks uh, originally. But that's what, that's what a 3DS XL is. Is two hundred dollars? I guess. I guess a three D XL, but I don't know. Like up until, like I said, like up until recently, though, I was just always assumed that that was for kids. Yeah. Um, and that's a good market for Nintendo because obviously, the kids do love it, and it is it is very. There's a lot of kid friendly games, whereas Sony doesn't have as many kid friendly games. That's fair, man. So. 
That's crazy. Well, I I think once we saw the PSP get discontinued earlier in the year, Vita was next. I mean, it looks like you can get a Vita Slim from GameStop for about 140 bucks right now. That's still a lot higher than I expected. Well, I considering mean, they don't sell that much. Yeah, but if you look at the DS line, you know, you've got the 3DS XL is um, 200, the 2DS XL is 150, and then you have the 2DS at like 80. Right. You know, so I guess you have some more options with the DS line, but, you know, the Vita just, it never really picked up steam. It never sold particularly well, and, you know, Sony kind of. People do want to play Mario. I mean, that definitely helps. Mario Kart. They want to play Smash Brothers, and those are the games that are so. Um, Nintendo's able to offer that Sony. Sony will let you play. I don't know new Metal Gear games, and they'll let you play uh, like more. It, it always felt like a more of adult geared, portable, console. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Like I think the Nintendo went the kid route, and that was kind of a genius idea. Because that's a that's a market there, and that's a big market. Yeah, that's fair, man. That's fair. Well, goodbye, farewell, Vita. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Do you think, um, looking back year now over Switch, will there be another competition for Switch at any point? I'm sure there will be at some point, right? There, uh, someone always comes out with something. You know, after the Wii, you had the PlayStation Move and the Connect for the 360. Um, you know, people are always trying to one up each other and things like that. You had the the PS4 Pro, so now you've got the Xbox One X. Um, I almost feel like they're not though. I almost feel like they're like, well, we're still real console and we can still develop these power powerful numbers. So we're just going to stick to that. Let him have that. You know what I mean? Let them have that. Well, I mean, they, they might come up with something that's a competitor to it. Like you were saying, the Vita can do remote play for the PS4. So maybe they come up with a beefier, more hardcore Vita, you know, after this one goes out, uh, you know, out of the market, maybe in 2020 or something like that, they launch this new PlayStation handheld that can play the same games. Yeah. I'm you just know? saying, like, I feel like the Switch has had a lot of success, and I'm surprised no one has tried to steal some of that well keep in mind it's been a year right so if you didn't think if you thought that it wasn't going to be successful you've only had i don't know eight months to come up with something to make something so you know that's not that's not what happens video game consoles usually take you know five years to fully develop right yeah i guess sony's (laughs) There's been a lot of rumors about PS5, but no, nothing really hard and concrete. Um, but I'm sure they're working on that because they've got to one-up Microsoft on that Xbox X. Well, but that's the thing. That, like, it's so easy to say, well, there's rumors of a PS5. Of course there is because they are on the 4, and the next one will be the 5, right? Like, no, it's, there's it's no risk. In... There's been job postings, and there's been... I don't think there have been increases. I don't think there have been any actual job postings publicly for the PS5. Sure, sure. But there, they have been talking to production companies to make sure they can meet whatever thing they're about to start producing. 
Of course, but that's the thing, though, right? It doesn't take any level of skill to say Sony's working on a new console. Of course they are. <laughs> Every company is working on a new console, right? And then, of course, they're hiring people to work on it. But you can't go on LinkedIn and see, oh, Sony's hiring a developer for the PlayStation 5. No, <laughs> that's not ever going to be posted. It's kind right? of a like, dramatic leap. But I can tell you, Xbox probably is not working on a new console. <laughs> of course they are. That. Of course they no, are. They're not. That, that's how development cycles work, though. No, they're not. They, I think they put all of their marbles on the Xbox One X. But that's, that's not how production works, though. Like, Nintendo is already working on the next console. I don't... That's how it works. You, you come up with an idea, you develop that thing, and as that thing is ready to launch, new things are available, and you start developing the next thing. That's why we have console generations. That's why car companies have new models every year. Just because the 2019s you know, are coming out in September and August, that doesn't mean the 2020s aren't already in development. That's different, though, because most of the time, it's just a styling thing. We're talking, you know, with a console – a whole new machine. So you're like, telling me that two year in two years we will not have another version of the Xbox? No, I think they're going to ride with this one for a while. No, they're not, you're not going to have an Xbox One XS? <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> but that's, that's what I'm saying, though, right? Like, you have no. the Xbox One, and then two years later you have the S, right? And a year later you have the X, right? So, you, I mean, that's just how it works. You have the PS4, you have the PS4 Pro, the PS4 Slim. I, I can only see them doing, the only thing I can see them doing is making a slimmer version of the Xbox One X. That's all I can see. Okay. I don't see a new machine, though, coming out. Well, I mean, that's where the lines start to blur, right? How much has to change for it to be considered a new machine? I think there has to be an increase in its core numbers, processing power. But that's what, that's what the S is. Graphics. The S has a better GPU and a better power supply than the launch edition Xbox One. Then I would say that's a better system. Okay. Well, I would expect within that's two years... Launch. Well, okay, so within two years, you'll see another incremental Xbox. All right, guys. You got you to gotta call him <laughs> out on it. It doesn't happen. I'll just, like, but that's how it works. That's what we've been seeing for years now. The only exception to that... No, not even. I mean, Nintendo's kind of the exception, but they had multiple versions of the Wii. Well, they, how many freaking DS models have they had? Well, there's yeah, they do that all the time with the DS. There's know? so many models, I can't even keep up with it anymore. They finally, I think they finally got it down to a few. There's, there's four, four major models throughout the world, and they only sell three of them here. So, right. Um, but, I mean, that's just how technology works. They're always working on the next one. You have people who are prototyping and designing and experimenting with, with new consoles while the other one is being developed that's just how it works because you're never done there's there's never going to be a console where they can say well that's it we can't do anymore <laughs> right yeah sure companies go out of business and they don't get to do anymore but they always know that they need to try to do something else you know All right, so, guys, you heard it here first so it's going to be a new xbox or a new playstation in the next two years do you really think that's a stretch I, I I mean, for not not for Sony, I think they're clearly making because they have to one up, they have to. Um, Xbox, I I don't, I only see a slimmer model. <laughs> That's a little more. Oh, it's it's five star energy efficient. Uh, shut up. That's all I see. 
But what do you think Sony's going to do that's radically different? Well, they're going to make something with more punch that can compete with the X. Well, right, but but that's my point, though, right? It's a sliding scale of what does that mean, more punch? How much of a percentage of a jump well, does it a have lot, to be? Because it has to be able to support 4K at, at 60 frames per second, which the Pro can't consistently hold that. So, but the Xbox One X already has that. So then the question is, what would the next Xbox have to look like to fit into the into your your category? You mean PlayStation? No, 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 Xbox. I'm it's saying it's going to be a slimmer model. Okay. I don't think they're going to make a whole new console. But I'm never mind. We're like not the gonna... PlayStation Three and the PlayStation Three Slim. There was no major differences other than the fact that it was thinner and ran more efficiently as far as cooling goes. But that's how the incrementals always work. There's always some minor improvements and some bigger improvements. The Xbox One S brought the power supply inside. It had a better GPU. It added 4K Blu-ray support. So that to me is, I don't know. I feel like that's the better, that's a new system. If it has, if its core numbers are altered, then yes. Okay. Well, I, I'm just saying that I think that both companies and, and thir- all three, if you include Nintendo, are currently working on new versions of home consoles. <laughs> you better cut out all of this. <laughs> I ain't got time for that. What are you talking about? Uh, all right. That's going to be it for us, I think. I think we're done. <laughs> I think we're done. We've talked enough. We will be back in two weeks to talk more video games. And what we've been playing, which we didn't really get to this week, we'll talk a bit about Persona 5, I'm sure, along with a couple of other games that we will be playing. In the meantime, thank you for tuning in for us. We are Gamer Heroes, part of the Heroes Podcast Network. You can find us at heroespodcasts.com, that's plural, or at Heroes Podcasts on Twitter and Facebook. You can find John at Buster Props, where he custom makes cowls and other type helmets and things and masks and all the things you want to wear for your costumes and our bedroom needs there you go and i am the star trek dude you can find me on the network on our flagship show screen heroes we review movies and tv live every tuesday night and red shirts and runabouts which is our star trek show new episodes on fridays thanks for tuning in guys and game on Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BGW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus